The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good night. Welcome to The Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. To the ghosts out in the hall. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. Hope you had a great holiday. I did. We have lots to talk about in this hour. Uh, my first guest, and she's here ready to talk to us right now, is Cheryl Killo Davis. Cheryl's the author of a book called My Princess Boy, and she wrote this book to explain her son Dyson. She has two boys. This is her younger son. Uh, uniqueness to teachers and fellow students. So I'm going to let Cheryl tell you about the book, why she wrote the book, um, how her son is unique. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Cheryl. Thank you, Catherine. It's great to have you. And I also might add, besides being a mother, you also have an MBA. You're an entrepreneur. You do all kinds of things. So uh, you are a Renaissance woman. Um, so my <laughs> boy. <laughs> oh, and by the way, Cheryl, I have to tell you, I have three boys. Okay. And they're all, th- all three of my boys are unique and very different. So I was really interested to have you on, you know, yeah, on the show absolutely. today. Yeah. Okay. So your son, Dyson. Tell us about Dyson. So Dyson is five years old now. And when he was uh, probably close to two years old, he started showing an interest for all things beautiful, anything pink and sparkly and glittery. Um, he was interested in it. And I had my older son, they're three and a half years apart, and so I kind of had a road map of um, how I thought, you know, boys would be. I knew they'd be individuals and have their unique differences, but I also kind of went down that traditional road map. And Dyson challenged it a little bit early on. So uh, my first reaction to it was a little bit of redirection. So I I definitely was um, trying to redirect him back into what felt a little more comfortable for me and the the whole traditional boy thing. All right, so you have and I also your you have I mean you have a great family, you, your husband, your oh you have an older son, not yes, to Kobe and Dyson, yeah. So you had different expectations for him or you had your own expectation and it sounds like hey mom, I want to I mean he's obviously young, he's dressing up the way he wants to, it makes him feel good but making you feel uncomfortable. So what did you yeah. do? Yeah, it's uh it was it's one of those things where I think, you know, we naturally um we're they're very young and we naturally try to guide them in the right direction. And he was saying to me, "Well, this is my right direction. Um I like playing with uh toys that are pink or dolls or you know, things that are glittery and I like to dress up." And so it was it was one of those things that I, you know, finally after it kept happening, we kind of kept it inside in the house and um he would, you know, go over, we'd have a play date with another little boy his age and the little boy might have a sister and then uh Dyson would kind of venture to the sister's room and play with her things. Um and then he would also play outside, climb trees, uh, you know, 
race on bikes, but he'd do it in a dress. So, um, so my first public display of this happening was when I picked him up from daycare. He, they had creative play, and uh, I was really excited to pick him up. All the parents were there, and Dyson greeted me with just a very happy and uh, lit-up lit face. He was very excited to show me a red sequins dress that he had on <laughs> and some pink heels, and uh, it was a shocker, to say the least. So was it a shocker? It was a shocker for you. You're saying, did you feel it was a shock? Were you concerned about what everybody else was thinking? A little um, bit of both. I yeah. mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I was looking around to see what the parents were saying and looking at me about, looking at him about. I wanted to, you know, I I kind of figured out what was going on here. Were the kids laughing at him? Was this just okay? I, I didn't know how it would hap- how it would be in public. Again, I, I was keeping it kind of indoors like a lot of us do, and I think um, it, it was just a lo- it was a very, very big surprise for me. So my immediate thought was, okay, let's solve the problem. Uh, there must not be enough pretty dress-up clothes in the dress-up section. So that evening I went out to the dress-up store and I purchased a bunch of boy, traditional boy things that might be, have a little more glitter and glam. So, you know, I purchased a band uniform and a karate outfit that had some red and gold and some pretty different things and I brought those back to the daycare the next day. And so left Dyson and came back to pick him up and he was in a yellow dress. So it sort of just told me that uh, it's not about what I'm putting out there. It's about his choices. It's about his choices, and it seems that, you know, it's great. He knows what his choices are. He sounds like he's very clear. I mean, at such a young age about what he likes, about what he wants to do. So I guess um, kind of what I'm hearing, it was more your issue. I mean, it was your issue. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly it, Catherine. I... um, you know, what happened was I, I kind of kept going through this process and he would dress up and and um, have these interests. And, you know, I mean, he obviously kids have interests. They they also want to eat a tub of ice cream for dinner. And we weren't doing that. Right. So um, this is we were looking at this as, you know, this is not a health issue in the sense that we're putting our child outside in 10 degree weather in a tank top. Um, this was more about self-expression. And my turning point was um, during Halloween when we were at a dress-up store and my older son, Dakobi, had picked out a Ninja Turtle outfit. And my younger son, Dyson, was over in the dress section and he wanted a blue Cinderella dress. And he was uh, three at the time and almost three, um, almost four, and he uh, was just you know, just yelling, just like a kid who wants candy at the checkout line, you know, he's like, please, 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 can I be this princess, please, can I have this dress, please, and I'm trying to think, well, maybe we could be a ladybug, maybe we could be a butterfly, so again, I'm going through this process of trying to get myself comfortable, and finally, Dakobi just comes up to me in the middle of the store, and I'll never forget it. He looks at me and he says, Mom, he wants to be a princess. Why can't you just let him be happy? Oh, that, is, that, you know, that is such a great story. I mean, uh, because, yeah, I mean, it, and it, it takes you, I mean, takes at your, that I mean, moment, my next question has to be, you and your husband must be doing some really great parenting. I mean, for your kids, not only for Dyson to be able to, be so clear about how he wants to express himself, but for your oldest son to be supporting his younger brother 
Yeah, it was, you know, I, I could have, everything just stopped in that moment. I, I mean, here's your six and a half year old looking at you and saying this, and you're kind of, you know, standing there yeah. <laughs> saying, oh my goodness, I'm making your little brother unhappy. I mean, <laughs> it just was one of those moments where um, I realized this was my issue. These were these were things happening with me. And the good thing was that, you know, uh, Dean was supportive from day one. When I called him about the daycare thing when he was in the red dress, I kind of called Dean in thinking that I'd have a partner for figuring out how we would get him out of this. And it was just the opposite. Dean is a very, very uh, strong person. He's very, uh, he's very passionate about people and justice. And, um, and he said, you know, I'm so happy Dyson has something he's interested in. It's great. And I, I kind of felt alone. Like I was thinking, wait a minute, this must not be right. Yeah. So that is, I mean, that's obviously, that is the turning point. You have That's the turning point. Yeah, that, that was, was it. the turning point. And then, so then from there, I mean, because like you, you know, as a mom, I mean, you've obviously, you've got this great supportive family and, you know, doing the right thing for your son, for both of your sons. But what made you decide, okay, now I think it's really important that we have to get it out there and to help other people, because that's a whole other step. I mean, you may be doing the right thing for your own family, um, at, right. but, you know, it's not easy to get out there and do what you're doing, writing the book, and I know you contacted the school, and, you know, tell us about that, because okay. that's helping other people. Yeah, it's, it's, there's been a lot, of journey, a lot of processes there. Well, first, you know, we did do the doctor thing, so we, um, you know, I, I didn't want Dyson to live a day where he felt that he wasn't... Uh, happy within who he was, and I and I, I'm a person that um, likes to know things. We use books for a lot of information, and so um, we went to our pediatrician, and we uh, had a psychiatrist and a psychologist work with us and and kind of assess the situation. and And the verdict was, you have a very healthy and happy little boy, and he just enjoys pretty things, and he likes to dress up. And uh, their advice was to not really over-encourage it, but not to over-discourage it either. And so, um, so you're, you're kind of stuck at that moment. You're, you're standing there with, okay, I don't have a health issue, and I have a happy child. And as a mom and my husband as a dad, we don't want to be the people in our children's lives that always say no and always uh, correct them or, or control them. We want to be the guides and help them uh, live to their fullest potential. And so from there, I realized that I needed to figure out how to share that my son might dress up or choose the pink toy or choose a doll during free play without his spirit being crushed. And so I kind of took my journaling and turned it into this book. And then I went to a local copy center and printed it. And every teacher that he had or, you know, summer camp or after school care, um, I would hand them the book and have them read it before he entered the classroom. And it's a 60-second read, but it helped me put to paper just really using it as a tool. So I started carrying it around in my purse. So it, it was. It sounds like it was cathartic for you as well as also it's 
it's practical for for everyone else. Did you it run was. in, Cheryl? Did you run into? I mean, you were talking about camp and daycare and school and all of the, and just like play dates and and friends of yours with who have you know little kids, Dyson's age. Did anybody in particular give you? Uh, or make it difficult for you, or has Dyson run into any bullying problems? I know this, which your book hopefully is going to prevent a lot of this for other yes. children. You know, it's okay to be who you are. Not only is it okay, our children need to be who they are if they're going to grow up to be healthy young adults. And uh, and it it does start when you're two years old. So yes, did I ask you two questions in that? I'm not sure. <laughs> Yeah, so which one do you want me to answer? <laughs> well, okay, start with the first one. Like, were, th- were there any particular, um, I guess, difficult situations that you ran into? Like m- friends of yours who had of their children or in, in daycare or at camp or at school that you had to, to deal with that, that were, you know, questioning you or your parenting because you're letting your son dress the way he wants to dress. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, the children uh, talk about it, but they don't, there hasn't been a whole lot of teasing. When we go to the park, if he's dressed up, he decides to dress up for something like that. There may be some comments from kids like, you, you know, you can't wear pink, you're a boy, or you can't wear that dress because girls do that. Um, and Dyson has the greatest response. He just says, well, if you don't like me in a dress, then I get you're not my friend. And so, and then he says, but you can be my friend if you like me in a dress. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's sort of this, um, and then kids typically kind of come right back around. The adults, um, it's been tough. There's been times where, you know, we'll be at um, what we call the dress-up store, really thrift stores. And um, Dyson kind of looks through. They, the boys get to go in and, you know, choose something that they'd like. And typically Dyson will bring home some sort of dress-up or a dress or something. And and um, when I was buying one at, at some point, you know, a clerk said to me, are you really going to buy this for him? That just is not right. And I said, you know, no one's behind me. Could you just read this book for just 30 seconds? And <laughs> just, just take a quick read and, you know, just so that you can kind of know where I'm coming from. And she read it and she apologized and said, you know, I had no idea that that comment could feel for you um, what this book makes me feel. And she, she said, you know, these questions are asking, you know, will you play with me? Will you be my friend? And she's saying, of course I would. I, I just, I don't know where that came from, and I'm, I apologize. So I think we all are, with, in light of all that happened in 2010 and, and this just horrible outcomes of children not being able to be who they are, um, it's time for us to take a stand, and 2011 is it. We're going to change this, and we're, we're going to make this the year of acceptance. Yeah, and we don't want you to have to do it single-handedly. And I'm not. What is but, so fantastic about this is, like, on the Facebook page, if you go to Facebook at My Princess Boy, you'll see a conversations happening, constructive dialogues happening where people are talking about this, and we're not alone, and I... People are responding to each other. There's a, a worldwide conversation happening, and that's the goal of this book, because the only way that you can move society is through conversations. The and conversation for this is also, Cheryl, I think the thing that you did to this, this, this woman who made the comment, some people just aren't aware. You know, it's easy to get angry at them, and, and it's easy to fight back, but 
just helping them to be aware. I mean, just giving them the book or talking to them for a few minutes if, if someone has difficulty with, with uh, somebody who they perceive as different. Um, that whole concept of awareness, which is what obviously what you're doing, but I, I think that's the first step. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And people are, um, you know, the thing that I always say is, you know, we were the pin that kind of popped the balloon. All of this was already here. Um, this has been going on for years. There are people who are emailing us. There are um, people in their 90s, people uh, who have kids who are one years old who haven't really gone down any path yet, but they want to get the book so that they can express it to their kids. There are adults saying, I, I was different in my class, and I, this, you know, this book helps us say, all of us, let's just accept it and move on. I mean, really, it's this kind of um, this time for us to do a deep dive in ourselves and say, you know, to myself, and I ask myself, you know, okay, why does this make me uncomfortable? And is it harming anyone? And when you look at Dyson's face and you see him lighting up and happy um, for, you know, he's a happy and normal five-year-old little boy, um, you're kind of like, well, let's just move on. We're going to take a short break right now. I want uh, listeners to know that uh, you can purchase My Princess Boy online, bookstores everywhere, and you can go to myprincess.com. Cheryl and I have been talking about the website uh, for more information, but don't go away because she and I have more to talk about. Cheryl Killo Davis, author of My Princess Boy, and you can go to myprincessboy.com. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. You're listening to voiceamericavariety.com and World Talk Radio. We'll be back in a minute. News, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tong has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired right there. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. 
We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. And if you're just joining us, my guest this morning is Cheryl Killo Davis, author of My Princess Boy, which tells the story of a boy who likes pretty things, the color pink, sparkly dresses, ballet tutus. Um, some people don't understand the princess boy, but his family and friends will always be there to show him the love and respect he deserves. And this is really a true story about Cheryl's family. So, um, so let's talk about, and we're talking about family. We've talked about your two boys and your husband, and you all really support one another, and, you know, that's going to make, I'm, I'm ahead of you. I, my boys are, like, in their 20s and 30s. Let me tell you what you're doing is going to help your sons to be healthy. Oh, great. Kind, <laughs> that's the goal. young men. That's the goal. That's the goal, right. But you also, during the break, and maybe you can talk about this, you're, you have parents who also support you. So, you I mean, you have this extended family. A lot of people don't have that when they have children who they perceive as different or they think is different, whatever the differences may be, and that makes it more difficult for them. So maybe we could talk about that a little bit because, um, yeah. yeah. We're very fortunate. Um, my parents actually uh, travel with us as well um, so that the kids always have them around um, right now, especially just so that we can talk, so I can talk about this more. Um, and, you know, my parents kind of came from a place where they always started things with love and ended with love. You know, there'd, it'd kind of be this love sandwich thing where there'd be all this meat and different kinds of things in the middle. But at the end of the day, you know, we, we kind of started and ended there. And, and I'm uh, mixed with uh, black and white, and so we've had many conversations, and I've, I've lived my own life of kind of this whole acceptance thing. And then my husband's family is also a, a family of support, and, um, and he's African-American. And so we've all just, uh, you know, it's, it's out of the love of Dyson. And again, Dyson is his own force of nature. So we're kind of, you know, Dyson's driving a little bit of the bus here. The grandparents don't really have a choice, but <laughs> beyond He's driving board. a lot of the bus, and he's going to be driving more of it. He, he is. And, you know, we, we do have, though, I mean, there, there, there have been, um, you know, our extended family, there have been some conversations or some things where um, there's just not agreement. And, um, and that's understandable, especially with um, some of our cultural uh, backgrounds and things like that. And, and I, think, I think it's just a process. I think we're on a spectrum here um, of getting to acceptance and compassion. Um, but at the end of the day, I think we all feel that um, none of us want on our shoulders the weight of Dyson or Dacoby or any of our children or even any of their friends or all the kids out there. None of us want the weight on our shoulders that they can't be who they want to be. And so let's, because we need it, I mean, you just, as you said, I mean, not everybody has been supportive in, in your family or extended family, and that you would expect. So yes. in terms of helping other people, I mean, obviously writing this book and, and talking about Dyson is, is going to change people, hopefully, uh, in a very positive direction in terms of, of accepting uh, people for who they are. But what do we do? How would you, like when you do get people who, who are, um, you know, not accepting, who, who put up roadblocks to you, or even to your son, I mean, like then what what? Can, what do you say to them? What can we do? What would be your advice, I guess, to, to listeners who um, have, are experiencing that? You know, it's a tough one because um, I'm, I'm in the journey at real time like everybody else. 
Um, and so I always, I, I put up on the Facebook page the other day, you know, even as the author, I'm still in the journey. And, um, and so I think that what I'm doing is really trying to be present in the moment. And um, I'm, I'm by far not an expert and, um, and don't know what the future holds. But I think there's a lot that can be said and done by, by just being in the moment and talking about things and doing that kind of self-searching as to where, where is this coming from? Where is this discomfort coming from? Why am I so unhappy when I see this thing that is different? or this uh, experience, I'm experiencing something different, where is this coming from? And then, you know, really getting into the conversation. This book is, um, I think My Princess Boy is something that is bigger than, than just a boy dressing up. It's, it's really about differences and accepting those differences. And, and it's, it's, a time, it's kind of calling you to the carpet and saying, will you, will you love this person? And I think all of us, I mean, 98% of the world out there is saying, yes, we will. And this is where we need to go, and this is where we need to be. And a lot of our children are learning everything from us. And um, as adults, we have preconceived notions. We just have to get this out there. We have to get the elephant out of the room and talk about it. And so I if think conversations do that, the are the way to go. That we spend the energy that you spend in hiding anybody hiding is the most negative energy. It saps oh. energy. It's it it doesn't it, it prevents growth. It does all the negative stuff. So as it you does. say, get that elephant out. But I always wondered, Cheryl. I mean, the one thing, at least from my perspective, that makes our country unique and has made us strong is diversity, not sameness, but diversity. Right. Right. It's so interesting, isn't it? We all say that we're different and we love that we're different and we love to accept differences, but wait, don't be that different, you know? So I think, you know, we have to, you know, we have to say, look, there are things that we all may not agree with, but there are things that we need to accept. And one of those things is letting people be who they are. And I think, you know, the more that we can get with kids with that, the better off we'll be. Um, I do, I, I do think that this is also a worldwide conversation. We have, um, people from all over the world talking about this and I'm princess boys who were, you know, 40, 50 years old years ago did things and some of the really, really harsh things that happened to them because they wanted to, you know, paint a nail or they wanted to try on their mother's earrings. And this is where today we can change this. That's, that's the belief. This is a movement now, and we are all carrying it. This is not about me. This is not about Dyson. This is not about us. We're carrying this movement together. So all of us need to get to a place where we can say, you know, we ended 2011 and we broke this. We broke this bullying thing. We are not going to allow people to be not to be who they are. Exactly. Bullying is not acceptable. It's not, there's, there's, there's no, to me, there's no discussion. I mean, I mean, there's discussion, but it's not acceptable. And as you say, as parents, as, as educators, and you've engaged the school, too. We didn't talk too much about that, but I think that's important with your kids. I mean, it's hugely important, the conversation. You know, one of the things that was the hardest thing for me to, was to proactively say, hi, my name's Cheryl. Dyson's going to be in your class. And by the way, here's a book about him. He likes pretty things, and could you just read this? And, you know, they're saying, well, this can't just stay with me. 
these teachers are saying, you know, I need to read this to the class. This needs to be with each of them. And then kids are going home and saying, Mom, we read this book about a princess boy. And then the moms are calling me and saying, well, I need this book too. So it's sort of, it, it just is one of those things where everybody um, either knows one or is one or has been around one. Anybody, everybody feels a piece of difference. And like you said, that's exactly why we are who we are as a country. That's exactly what makes us strong and rich and more. So I, I'm hoping that this will continue bringing people to a whole nother level in themselves. Yeah, I think it will. I think this is the best we have to offer. And as you say, it's a movement. It's not just here in the United States, but you're getting a response worldwide. Um, you know, it reminds me a little bit, and, and I don't know if your boys have seen it, but the, you know, Billy Elliot, the play, the movie. You know, I've, somebody um, just emailed me about that. I haven't, I haven't um, seen it or heard about it yet, so I'm going to have to go online and, and learn more. Oh yeah, you de- you, this is something that, uh, and, and your whole family would like, but, the, and the kids too, they're old enough, but Billy Elliot was about, and I'm not gonna go into that, but wanted to be a ballet dancer and grew up in a town in oh. Wales where everybody were, you know, working men, miners, and a son who wanted to be a ballet dancer, that was unheard of, so, um, oh, Wow, yeah. that sounds really right yeah, on. Yeah, exactly, yeah, that, that's a good, and, and it's a family. A family show, but all right, we only have a couple minutes left. So, what do we want to leave listeners with? What would you want to leave them with in terms well, of the message? Well, I think the biggest thing is please continue the dialogue. Keep talking. Uh, for those of you that are um, holding on to your secret with this, or if you're holding on to something, um, really, what I've learned is it's not worth it <laughs> holding on to it. And once you do share it. There's millions out there that are going through the same thing and want the same end goal of everyone, you know, just being happy within the moment. So um, I think if you can, if you have the courage um, to really just release that and you will find that you'll be welcomed um, once you release that. It's a process and it's a journey. I think it's also important to be kind to yourself and, and to realize that, you know, we're, we're all parents, we're all humans, we all make mistakes, none of us are perfect. Um, we're doing the best we can to raise a generation that can continue bringing our country to the next level. So I hope everybody gets this book to at least have it, you know, if on their coffee tables or in, in, in libraries so that everybody can continue that dialogue and really, really let's take 2011 over and make this the year of acceptance. That's great. And, and also, moms, you can just uh, how about put it in your pocketbook. We can do that too. Yes, I, I use it as a tool all the time. It's in my book, I mean, great. in my purse. <laughs> well, Cheryl, thanks so much for being on the show. Great talking to you. Obviously, you you know, were so enlightening. And uh, I'll mention the book again, My Princess Boy. Go to myprincessboy.com. And good luck with all the great stuff you're doing. Thank you, Catherine. Take care. Okay, thank you. Coming up next, uh, we have two guests, uh, Maggie Arana and Julianne Davis. Uh, they are author of their new book, which is Honey... Uh, <laughs> Stop Calling Me Honey. Oh, my I'm Catherine Zox your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. 
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. If you want to get ahead, you have to stand out from the crowd, the clutter, and the competition. Are you? Tune in each week for Standing Out with Lauren Saunier. Lauren and her guests have the secrets that can help you and your business get noticed, get attention, and achieve your desired results no matter where you're starting from. Standing Out with Lauren Saunier, live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get ready to be a marketing machine. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy the R every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome to The Catherine Zox Show. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. And coming up in this hour, they're here with us today, this morning, Maggie Arana and Julian Davis. Um, they're authors of Stop Calling Him Honey and Start Having Sex. This book is written for women of all ages. So uh, it's a fascinating book, really interesting. Stop Calling Him Honey and Start Having Sex. Um, their belief is that when you start calling your partner honey, it's the beginning of the end of the passion in the bedroom, and I happen to believe that. I've believed that for many years, so I'm glad that you, uh, Maggie, Julianne, that you've written a book about it, because I think we all need help. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning. Hi. Thank you so much. That's, yeah. that's an amazing endorsement. We yeah. really appreciate that. <laughs> yes, thank you, Catherine. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've noticed this. I'm older than you, than you ladies, so I've noticed this over the years, that this is a phenomenon that, that uh, I think it's pretty common for some reason. So, yeah, and the... Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. The point that we make in our book is that, um, because a lot of, it has generated some controversy because some people have said, you know, I call my wife honey or I call my spouse honey and and we're fine. And uh, the point that we we make and what we found in our research is that pet names um, make it uh, more difficult to keep your sexual chemistry because you, right away, you're getting rid of your gender and and your name. And your name is um, an important part of your individuality. Absolutely. I remember uh, a friend who started calling his wife mother. Oh, yeah. See, we, we have a whole chapter in our book about uh, baby talk and mommy-daddy talk. And, you know, it, it changes the dynamic, doesn't it? I mean, if he's going to call his wife or his partner mother, um, it's almost like she takes on the mother or caregiver role and he takes on the role of the son or the boy. 
And that doesn't really work if we're talking about a long-term relationship. And, you know, let's hope that because he calls her mother, I mean, obviously he doesn't want to have sex with his mother, um, but that's really what happens. The thing is, I think the reason why we've got a lot of controversy is because people have been calling each other these names of in terms of endearment since the 1300s. And it's so much a part of our social understanding of how we deal with one another that, you know, for us to go up against that, people are really shocked. They think, how can you do that? How can you, how can you take away my, my sweet little pet name? But it's you know, really not so sweet. <laughs> no, it's not sweet. And it, it, it really, it does. It severs that whole connection, that sexual connection. It takes away the whole sensuality and sexuality. Right. The relationship, it does do that. And we... But my question is, to, to either one of you, Maggie, Julianne, why do we do this? I, I think and it's just because it's, it's as Julianne said, it's, it's part of our culture. It's been around. Uh, we traced it back to the, to the 1300s, as she said. It was actually first mentioned in the, the Canterbury Tales, as honey, as a term of endearment. And, um, and I think that it's just part of the, the social sort of, um, you know, standard that people fall into. And I think that when you don't, and the, the sad thing is when you don't call your spouse by a pet name and you call them by their name, people think you're being formal or they think it's, uh, they think you're being, you know, angry with your partner. And what one of the points we make uh, that we bring out in the book is that, you know, honey and sweetie, your parents probably called you that. Um, and you're, you know, you might even call your pet that. You might even call your kids those terms of endearment, and and that's fine. But when you have a sexual relationship with someone, you have to keep your your you know your male femaleness or your gender, and you have to keep your your individuality to to sort of keep that tension alive. Exactly, because it's your individuality, and you know, when you think about it, when you first met your partner, you you did call them by their name, and you were fascinated and interested in them. Um, but somehow that changed. Well, why? Why did that change? I yeah, and I think in our book, what we—I mean, honey is just the first sort of signpost we call it to down the yeah. ro- down that road. And um, you know, there's many other habits that people, you know, fall into. And what we, you know, we've you know researched this. We spent years interviewing strangers, friends, and what we've done is sort of boiled it down to what the main habits are, the bad habits that, that can sabotage your sex life, and we, sex life, and we talk about them in our book, so people can look at those things and, and sort of think about them and think, you know, wow, I didn't do this when we first met, or I didn't do that when we first met, you know, why am I doing that now, and what has that done to my sex life? Um, we've had, you know, women email us already that have said, you know what, we called each other honey or term of endearment or we used to, you know, have an open bathroom door policy, for example, and we changed those, just, just those two habits alone. And they've told us that even though their sex life was, was good, that it got even better. And that was, that was very gratifying. So Maggie, one of, um, you were in a sex, sexless relationship for many years. I was, yes. I, I fell into many of the bad habits that we talk about in our, in our book. Yes. We call it the roommate syndrome. <laughs> yes, the roommate syndrome, which I think is, you know, it was kind of sad when we, in, a, in a way when we did our research because there's so many couples out there that uh, have fallen into the roommate syndrome, and that's who we wrote our book for, and that's the kind of relationship I was in 
you know, we loved each other, we respected each other, you know, we we used to socialize with Julianne and her husband, and, and they never thought anything was wrong. I mean, if you saw us on the, you know, socially, you would think that we were just, you know, great, because yeah, we did love each other. And you were probably dynamite in bed together, but not true. Not true, and <laughs> we were together for 20 years, and I would say that the last 10 years were would fall in, under the category of a, of a sexless uh, relationship. So then I should ask Julianne, what, what your marriage... Was not that, or is was? No, it wasn't bad. But I have to admit, we were guilty of all those um, habits, and um, I have to say, it made a difference changing all of those things. I mean, you know, we're fortunate in that we have more than one bathroom in our house. So (laughs) my my husband's moved into the other bathroom, and um, and you know, we don't call each other pet names. And believe me, we had some doozies. Um, And. It has made a big difference, you know, stopping those things. And then also we've got some other things that we talk about, um, good advice that we suggest that um, will also help jumpstart things. So, you know, what you want to do is get rid of your bad habits that, you know, you might not think are bad but really are. Should we outline um, the bad habits? I mean, we, very Well, yeah, we can, you know, I mean, obviously pet names, great, you know, great, baby talk, talk, calling each other mommy or daddy, uh-huh. uh, you know, a bathroom stuff, becoming in, too intertwined with one another, um, becoming a bit complacent and things like that. You know, it's um, interesting you mentioned the bathroom stuff because I, I'm, I just, we just bought a condominium in the city and one of the things that they wanted to do in changing the bathroom is to put two sinks in the bathroom right and even before i read your book i said you know we need one sink in this bathroom and one sink in the other bathroom because i don't want to be have the two sinks in the bathroom but it's kind of a it's institutionalized even in the structure of the buildings that we build Well, it just means you know even though there is two sinks i mean you know i i don't know about you but i don't necessarily like to (laughs) <laughs> use the sink after my husband's just shaved. <laughs> so, so um, you know, in a way that can be, that can still be good. You just take turns, you know. You just take turns and well, it's okay um, to have that two door closed. It just provides more mystery, and that's the thing. That's, that's the other thing that we are doing that's sort of bucking the system in a way, um, in that, you know, our social understanding is that when you get together with your partner, you do everything together. And you constantly, um, you know, you you do bathroom stuff, you talk about every little thing that comes into your head, um, you share everything, your friends, your, um, all your, uh, um, goodness, um, habits, all your uh, things you like to do, you know, everything, everything is shared. And we're questioning that because, you know, let's just think about this. You spend a couple years with somebody, you're doing everything, living out of each other's pockets, so to speak. After that time, after you've had sex maybe five, six hundred times, and you're looking at them going, well, now what? I'm kind of bored. Yeah, well, that sounds terrific when you say it that way. <laughs> yeah, and I, uh, and, and just, uh, you know, saying about my personal experience in my relationship, you know, we did, we were best friends, and I'm, I'm in a new relationship, and I realize now that, um, you know, you can be, you know, you, you are intimate with your partner, and you do want to be emotionally close, which I am with my new partner. But the mistake that a lot of I, I, you know, a lot of women make, especially, and I was guilty of this, is that you become too sort of engulfed in the relationship, and you stop doing maybe some of the activities that you used to do when you were single, and you stop maybe having you know separate friends, which you did when you were single. And not that you need a separate life from your spouse, but 
you do need to always be going out into the world and you know experiencing new things and and growing as a person and then bringing that back to the relationship and yeah and, and I think that's one of the most important points or it's a very important point that you Absolutely. bring out in the book maintaining that sense of separation mm-hmm. keeps you together because then you bring new stuff into the relationship if you're both doing the same thing together the same time with the same people on the same day with the same entertainment there's nothing new that comes into the system. I always call it a system. You need to bring new stuff into the system. That's exactly that right. That's exactly right. And, you know, unfortunately, that way of thinking goes against what we know as being a romantic love affair. You know, you think about all those romantic movies, Cinderella and Snow White and, you know, all those kinds of films that you think, oh, wow, you know, we're going to get together and, and all we're going to do is spend every waking moment with each other. We're never going to fight, you know, all those things. Oh, in fact, bringing up fighting, that's another um, aspect in our book we talk about. We say you should argue more. Yeah, no, we, we, oh, go ahead. No, 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 you no, go. I was just saying, we, we don't mean, uh, you know, nasty fighting, of course. We mean um, just, you know, playful banter or just keeping your own uh, sense of identity and your own opinions. And, again, we kind of sometimes become too engulfed in the relationship, and we think that, you know, oh, I have to sort of do, you know, everything he wants to do or his opinions or my opinions. And, and sometimes we're so afraid of conflict, I think, that we're not true to ourselves, and a little bit of conflict is, I think, normal. And without a little bit of conflict in a relationship, one, you know, you're not being honest because two people, you know, can't be together and not have some conflict. But also, um, you're not, um, you know, you're not growing, and, and you're not keeping sort of a, a sexual, what we call frisson in our book, um, which which you need to have in order to to have a, a good sex life. And then there's always makeup sex. <laughs> Makeup sex, and I think you know this is what you're both saying that you need tension in any relationship is yes, positive, you as you say. It doesn't have to be nasty and mean and, and vicious, but tension causes excitement, whether it's sexual tension or just a, an interesting conversation. I mean, if everybody agrees, that's not very uh, inspiring. So. Right. I mean, think about it. Have you ever you know met somebody that has irked you, but you still really wanted them like crazy? <laughs> <laughs> many, many men. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> I rest my case. Yeah, I, and you're absolutely right. Um, I mean, I always find the guy who has agreed with me and holding the door and giving me flowers, and, you know, I can do those things for myself. Right, and after a while you're just thinking, oh, I'm bored, you yeah. know, go away. You're boring me. Yeah, you want someone to have their own, you know, their own life and, and their own opinions because then you're, you're all, you continue to be interested in them. And I think that sometimes, like I said, in a relationship, we're so afraid of conflict that we think, oh, if he thinks this or she thinks that, I I better agree or I better go along with it. And then what happens is I think that it's kind of counterintuitive because you think that you're helping the relationship, but actually you're hurting it. And and then eventually maybe people break up. And then, I, you know, we've known many couples who break up, and then all of a sudden, the one or one or both of the people are totally different after they break up. They're they're doing different things and their opinions are different. And then you wonder, like, well, what? Wh- yeah, who, what happened to that side of you? Who were you before, and why couldn't you be that person in the relationship? Yeah, and I think another part of that too is you'll see couples who break up, which kind of goes along with the the, the thought that you're talking about, is that they become friends after they break up because they become more interesting people after they break up. And, and right. You know, much more interesting than when they were together. Anyway, we have to take a short break. Maggie Arana, Julianne Davis, 
Stop Calling Him Honey and Start Having Sex, their new book. We're talking about that. Don't go away. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. We'll be back in a minute. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your team. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. Women in business today face many challenges in advancing their careers and reaching their goals. There are corporate executives, entrepreneurs, and business owners that have made their mark in business. Now you can learn their secrets and tips. Listen to Women Mean Business as your host, Bonnie Marcus, explores how to thrive in the business environment, navigate the workplace, and climb the corporate ladder. Listen live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and effectively promote yourself today. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. And I'm talking to Maggie Arana, Julianne Davis. If you're just joining us, they're authors of Stop Calling Him Honey and Start Having Sex. And uh, Maggie was in a sexless relationship, uh, but she now is in a, a, a very positive relationship, a happy long-term relationship, and does not call her guy honey. Uh, and, uh, Julianne, I, I didn't mention in the beginning, you were in the movie, uh, in, uh, Stanley Kubrick's Psychological Thriller, Eyes Wide Shut. Yes, I was. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, okay, so, um, we were talking about, um, well, things not to do in a relationship, the stuff that doesn't work, and a little, and also about what can, um, enhance our sexual relationship and our relationship in general. But some of the stuff that we read about, and these are all those, you know, a lot of self-help books uh, tell us we should be doing what we would call and what you call in the book Band-Aid uh, kind of behaviors that really don't help the marriage and don't help to enhance the sexual relationship. So what's that all about? Well, um, yes, I mean, that's what we, we say in our book, that those are Band-Aid solutions because, to be honest, I mean, that's what I read. You know, I, I read books, you know, uh, when I was in a sexist relationship hoping to get some advice and you know the advice that was out there it didn't it didn't help me and i and to be honest i don't think it's helping uh most couples out there because you know what's offered is you know oh go you know you should have a date night or you know buy sexy lingerie um a lot of um uh you know phd's or even non phd's say that you know you have to you should force yourself to have sex and you know i read one book and they called it the nike solution you should just do it even if you don't feel like doing it 
Or and, there was the other one about talking about your intimacy needs. Yeah, right. Yeah, which I actually tried with my with my ex. You know, writing down your your needs on a piece of paper and giving it to each other. I mean, all those things. I think that when you're in the roommate syndrome, they they make you feel awkward first of all, and they don't get to the um, the core of why you lost your desire in the first place. And I think that's why our our book is so different and our advice is so different because. You know, we're not saying that it's, you know, bad to go on a date night. That's great. It's, you know, it's like the icing on the cake, but it's not going to bring back your desire. What what brings back your desire for one another is by changing how you relate to each other every day. And and the only way you can do that is by, you know, getting rid of the, the habits that are sabotaging your sex life every day, you know, things that people do sometimes every hour. And, and then your desire comes back naturally, and, and you don't have to, to force it or fake it. And, and to be honest, I think that's the only way your desire can come back uh, can come back permanently. I had one other point too that I wanted to mention. I know this that there's Julianne. a lot of women around the world that just think, oh, I'm not really interested in sex anymore. I mean, yeah, I've been there, done that. I'm too busy. I've got my kids. I got my job. I got to clean the house. Blah. You know, and there's just so much going on. They think I'm just too tired. Well. What I will say to them is this, and this, I've said this to friends of mine. I said, okay, put yourself in the same situation, um, but you don't have a husband, okay? You're still just as busy, and you meet this incredibly hot guy that is just, you're just dying for. Now tell me now, would you, you still think you'd be too tired? And usually they sit there and ponder that one for a moment. And they go, well, no, I wouldn't. And it's not just about the sex, really. I, I really want to um, uh, emphasize that. It's not about the sex. It's about the bond that you create with the sex. And if you don't have that physical relationship, you're not renewing that bond together, which means that you're not invested. You're not continually invested in your partner. And there's something about what sex does to our, our, our minds and our hearts um, in fact, it even uh, I think there's a drug called dopamine that it causes to go into your brain, and it, it does it. It makes you fall in love again. It makes you connect with one another. It's it releases really certain chemicals so that are very positive chemicals that make you want to be with your partner. Absolutely. I want to ask both of you this question. Um, what do you, you know, there's this whole kind of emphasis, I think particularly in American culture, of this togetherness that you have to be together all the time, and if you're not, then you aren't loyal, you don't love the person. And I think we sometimes get stuck in that. Let's, I mean, take, for instance, our houses. Do you think that maybe it's a good idea to sometimes sleep in separate bedrooms, that you don't have to go to bed every single night, listen to your partner snore or your, uh, your partner read or whatever they want to do? It's okay to be separate and then come back into the bedroom when you want to, I mean, Europeans do that. I mean, the European upper classes, you talk about history, used to, you know, had separate boudoirs, and they had a, another bedroom for sex. But each you one know, had their I own think, separate apartments. Well, maybe we can't do that. But well, we, you know what? I mean, there are some families that do that. In fact, a, a perfect example would be Helena Bonham Carter and Tim Burton. They have separate houses, and they have a little enjoy, adjoining hallway that you know, they can go through. Now, not everybody has that. Um, that kind of money where they can afford two houses like that. But, you know, every couple needs to discover what it is that they, um, that is good for them, that is right for them. And, you know, sure, if the woman's not getting any sleep because the man's snoring like crazy, well then, yes, that's, that's, you know, that's definitely worth talking about and worth discussing because then it will make you want to be with them more 
when you are together, rather than having a, a lot of resentment build up, like, oh, gosh, we have to go to sleep, and now I'm not going to sleep yet again because he's snoring and tossing and turning, or vice versa. I don't want to blame it all on the guy. Yeah, and I do think in our culture, not just, you know, that we're supposed to sleep together every night, but, you know, we, we've gotten a lot of, uh, you know, people saying to us, well, you know, you're saying I, we should be separate. We don't want to be separate. We want to be together all the time, every day, you know. And and I think that that, that, that is in our culture, too, that you're just supposed to be uh, what we call entwined. You're supposed to be together, you know, in every way and, you know, talking on the phone 20 times a day. And, and that just, it does take the mystery away. It also sets, I think it sets, couples up for failure because you know you do this you're supposed to and you said the word supposed to or I said the word supposed to and it doesn't work so you have these kind of unrealistic expectations of that togetherness and you do set yourself up for failure and actually statistics prove that out you know 50% of us end up getting divorced or and even in second marriages I think 60% of second marriages people end up getting divorced so what it is it's not working we need to try what you're telling us to you know that's we need exactly to take a look what at we're your saying book and we really different. That, that's exactly what we were saying that's the reason we wrote the book is we wrote it for all those people out there that think that they're fine you know they get along great but they're just not having sex and um, we really want to change we want to change the world i have to say that we do we want to keep people together we want to change that percentage rate and bring it right down. Yeah, and save, we want to save the love relationships because when you're not you know, renewing that bond, as Julianne said, um, you're vulnerable to you know, other, other people. And you know, that's when the cheating and the betrayal happens, and that's when you lose the great relationship and friendship that you had. You know, yeah, so, so why, not, why not keep the relationship? You know, why not find a way to save that relationship? Are there any other, I mean, you mentioned um, uh, one of the movie stars, but any other role models that we can look to? Paul um, Newman and Joanne Woodward. Yeah, we, quote them, we, quote, we have a quote from Paul Newman in our, in our book. I think it's in the chapter, Stay Separate to Stay Together, where he says that you know, he was into auto racing and she hated auto racing. And you know, they had a lot of, they were both actors, of course, but they had a lot of separate interests and, and separate activities that they did. But he said that that's what kept them you know, interested with each other, and they never let themselves grow apart, um, but they always, you know, were experiencing things themselves and, and going out into the world and, as we said, bringing, bringing back new blood to the relationship. So, and that was, I think, a great long-term marriage. Yeah, that, they, they always appeared that way, and um, that is, that's a great example. I mean, that is a movie star example, but I think we can take something from that. Mm-hmm. Um, or even Kevin Bacon and um, uh, Kara Sedgwick, he was saying that brilliant quote where he said, um, you have to keep the fights clean and the sex dirty. <laughs> yeah, we quote that in our book, too. <laughs> That's a great quote. <laughs> it, it really is. Yeah. yeah, and they seem like they have a great long-term marriage as well. So, all right, we've got a couple more minutes. What are we going to leave everybody with besides go out and get the book because uh, Stop Calling Him Honey and Start Having Sex website that also listeners can go to? Yes, StopCallingHimHoney.com. Okay, StopCallingHimHoney.com. I guess we only have 30 seconds left. Yes, and we we have a blog and all that stuff. Great talking to you this morning. Brought up all kinds of interesting issues. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having us. This has been a great discussion. Thanks. All right, have a good day. All right, thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Catherine. Bye. 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 I'm Catherine Zox. I'm your social worker with a microphone. You've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show on VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. Hope you had a great day, and uh, we'll see you next Wednesday. 
We hope you have enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.